Chapter Seven, Part Two of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mysteries of Paris by Eugène Sue, Chapter Seven, Part Two. At these words from Father Chatelet, accompanied by a significant motion of the foot, Lysander, with a low, deep growl of dissatisfaction, slowly returned to his favorite corner by the hearth, while the schoolmaster and Tortillard remained trembling by the kitchen door as though fearful of approaching farther the features of the ruffian were so hideous from the frightful effects produced by the cold that some of the servants in the kitchen shuddered with alarm while others recoiled in disgust this impression was not lost on tortillard who felt reassured by the terrors of the villagers and even felt proud of the repulsiveness of his companion this first confusion over father chatelain thinking only of worthily discharging the duties of hospitality said to the schoolmaster come my good friend come near the fire and warm yourself thoroughly and then you shall have some supper with us for you happen to come very fortunately just as we were sitting down to table here sit down just where i have placed your chair but what am i thinking about added the worthy old labourer i ought to have spoken to your son not you seeing that it has pleased god to take away your eyesight a heavy loss a heavy loss but let us hope all for your good my friend though you may not think so here my boy lead your father to that snug place in the chimney-corner yes kind sir drawled out tortillard with a nasal twang and canting hypocritical tone may god bless you for your charity to the poor blind here father take my arm lean on my shoulder father take care take care gently and with affected zeal and tenderness the urchin guided the steps of the brigand till they reached the indicated spot as the pair approached lysander he uttered a low growling noise but as the schoolmaster brushed past him and the sagacious animal had full scent of his garments he broke out into one of those deep howls with which it is asserted by the superstitious dogs frequently announce an approaching death what in the devil's name do all these cursed animals mean by their confounded noise said the schoolmaster to himself can they smell the blood on my clothes i wonder for i now recollect i wore the trousers i have on at present the night the cattle dealer was murdered did you notice that inquired jean of father chatelet why i vow that as often as old lysander had caught scent of the wandering stranger he actually set up a regular death howl and this remark was followed up by a most singular confirmation of the fact the cries of lysander were so loud and mournful that the other dogs caught the sound for the farmyard was only separated from the kitchen by a glazed window in the latter and according to the custom of the canine race they each strove who should outdo the other in repeating and prolonging the funeral wail which according to vulgar belief always foretells death though but little given to superstitious dread the farm people looked from one to another with a feeling of wonder not unmixed with awe even the schoolmaster himself diabolically hardened as he was felt a cold shudder steal over him at the thought that all these fatal sounds burst forth upon the approach of him the self-convicted murderer while tortillard too audacious and hardened to enter into such alarms with all the infidelity in which he had been trained even from his mother's arms looked on with delighted mockery at the universal panic and was perhaps 
the only person present devoid of an uneasy feeling but once freed from his apprehensions of suffering from the violence of the animals he listened even with pleasure to the horrible discord of their long drown-out wailings and felt almost tempted to pardon them the fright they had originally occasioned him in consideration of the perfect terror they had struck into the inhabitants of the farm and for the gratification he derived from the convulsive horror of the schoolmaster but after the momentary stupor had passed away jean again quitted the kitchen and the loud cracking of his whip soon put an end to the prophetic howlings of medal turk and sultan and quickly dispersed them to their separate kennels and as the noise ceased the gloomy cloud passed away from the kitchen and the peasants looked up with the same honest cheerfulness they had worn upon the entrance of the two travellers ere long they had left off wondering at the repulsive ugliness of the schoolmaster and only thought with pity of his great affliction in being blind they commiserated the lameness of the poor boy admired the interesting sharpness of his countenance the deep cute glance of his ever-moving eye and above all loaded him with praises for the extreme care and watchfulness with which he attended to his afflicted parent the appetite of the labourers which had been momentarily forgotten now returned with redoubled violence and for a time nothing could be heard but the clattering of plates and rattling of knives and forks still however busily employed with their suppers the servants assembled round the table both male and female could not but remark with infinite pleasure the tender assiduity of the lad towards the blind creature who sat beside him nothing could exceed the devoted affection and filial care with which tortillard prepared his meat for him cutting both that and his bread with most accurate nicety pouring out his drink and never attempting even to taste a morsel himself till his father expressed himself as having completed his supper but for all this dutiful attention the young ruffian took ample and bitter revenge instigated as much by an innate spirit of cruelty as the desire of imitation natural to his age tortillard found an equal enjoyment with the chouette in having something to torment a bête de souffrance and it was a matter of inexpressible exultation to his wretched mind that he a poor distorted crippled abject creature should have it in his power to tyrannize over so powerful and ferocious a creature as the schoolmaster it was like torturing a muzzled tiger he even refined his gratification by compelling his victim to endure all the agonies he inflicted without wincing or exhibiting the slightest external sign of his suffering thus he accompanied each outward mark of devoted tenderness towards his supposed parent by aiming a severe kick against the schoolmaster's legs on one of which there was in common with many who had long worked in the galleys a deep and severe wound the effect of the heavy iron chain worn during the term of punishment around the right leg and by way of compelling the miserable sufferer to exercise a greater degree of stoical courage the urchin always seized the moment when the object of his malice was either drinking or speaking here dear father here is a nice peeled nut said tortillard placing on the plate of his supposed parent a nut carefully prepared good boy said old chatelet smiling kindly at him then addressing the bandit he added however great may be your affliction my friend so good a son is almost sufficient to make up even for the loss of sight but providence is so gracious he never takes away one blessing without sending another you are quite right kind sir my lot is a very hard one and but for the noble conduct of my excellent child i 
a sharp cry of irrepressible anguish here broke from the quivering lips of the tortured man the son of bras rouge had this time aimed his blow so effectually that the point of his heavy nailed shoe had reached the very centre of the wound and produced unendurable agony father dear father what is the matter exclaimed tortillard in a whimpering voice then suddenly rising he threw both his arms round the schoolmaster's neck whose first impulse of rage and pain was to stifle the limping varlet in his herculean grasp and so powerfully did he compress the boy's chest against his own that his impeded respiration vented itself in a low moaning sound a few minutes and tortillard's last prank would have been played but reflecting that the lad was for the present indispensable to the furtherance of the schemes he had on hand the schoolmaster by a violent effort controlled his desire to annihilate his tormentor and contented himself with pushing him off his shoulders back into his own chair the sympathizing group around the table were far from seeing through all this and merely considered these close embraces as an interchange of paternal and filial tenderness while the half-suffocation and deadly pallor of tortillard they attributed to emotion caused by the sudden illness of his beloved father what ailed you just now my good man inquired father chatelain only see you have quite frightened your poor boy why he looks pale as death and can scarcely breathe come my little man you must not take on so your father is all right again i beg your pardon gentlemen all replied the schoolmaster controlling himself with much difficulty for the pain he was still enduring was most excruciating i am better now i'll tell you with your kind leaves all about it you see i am by trade a working locksmith and one day that i was employed in beating out a huge bar of red-hot iron it fell over on my two legs and burnt them so dreadfully that it never healed unfortunately just now i happened to strike the leg that is worst against the table and the sudden agony it occasioned me drew forth the sudden cry which so much disturbed all this good company and for which i humbly beg your pardon poor dear father whined out tortillard casting a look of fiendish malice at the shivering schoolmaster and wholly recovered from his late attack of excessive emotion poor father you have indeed got a bad leg nobody can cure ah kind gentleman i hope you will never have such a shocking wound and be obliged to hear all the doctors say it will never get well no never never oh my dear dear father how i wish i could but suffer the pain instead of you at this tender moving speech the females present expressed the utmost admiration for the dutiful speaker and began feeling in their vast pockets for some more substantial mark of their regard it is unlucky my honest friend said old chatelain addressing the schoolmaster you had not happened to come to this farm about three weeks ago instead of to-night and why so if you please because we had staying for a few days in the house a celebrated paris doctor who has an infallible remedy for all diseases of the legs a worthy old woman belonging to our village had been confined to her bed upwards of three years with some affection of the legs well this doctor being here as i said heard of the case applied an unguent to the wounds and now bless you she is as sure-footed ay and as swift too as any of our young girls and the first holiday she makes she intends walking to the house of her benefactor in the allée des veuves at paris 
to return her grateful thanks to be sure it is a good step from hence but then as mother annika says why what has come over you again my friend is your leg still so painful the mention of the allée des veuves had recalled such frightful recollections to the schoolmaster that involuntarily a cold shudder shook his frame while a fearful spasm by contracting his ghastly countenance made it appear still more hideous yes replied he trying to conceal his emotion a sudden darting pain seized me and pray excuse my interrupting your kind and sensible discourse and be pleased to proceed it really is a great pity resumed the old labourer that this excellent doctor should not be with us at present but i tell you what he is as good as he is skilful and i am quite sure if you let your little lad conduct you to his house when you return to paris that he will cure you his address is not difficult to recollect it is seventeen allée des veuves even should you forget the number it will not matter for there are but very few doctors in the neighbourhood and no other negro surgeon for only imagine this clever kind and charitable man is a black but his heart is white and good his name is david dr david you will be able to remember that name i dare say the features of the schoolmaster were so seamed and scarred that it was difficult to perceive when his colour varied he did however on the present occasion turn ghastly pale as he first heard the exact number mentioned of rodolph's house and afterwards the description of the black doctor of david the negro surgeon who by rodolph's orders had inflicted on him the fearful punishment the terrible results of which were each hour more painfully developed father chatelet however was too much interested in his subject to notice the deadly paleness of the schoolmaster and proceeded with his discourse when you leave us my poor fellow we will be sure to write his address on a slip of paper and give it to your son for i know that besides putting you in a certain way to be cured of your painful wound it would be gratifying to monsieur david to be able to relieve your sufferings oh he is so good never so happy as when he has rendered any person a service i wish he had not always that mournful and dejected look i fear he has some heavy care near his heart and he is so good so full of pity for all who suffer well well providence will bless him in another world but come friend let us drink to the health and happiness of your future benefactor here take this mug no thank you returned the schoolmaster with a gloomy air none for me i-i am not thirsty and i never drink unless i am nay friend but this is good old wine i have poured out for you not cider said the labourer many tradespeople do not drink as good bless your heart this farm is not conducted as other farms are what do you think of our style of living by the by have you relished your supper all very good responded the schoolmaster mechanically more and more absorbed in the painfulness of his ideas well then as we live one day so we do another we work well we live well we have a good conscience and an equally good bed to rest upon after the labours of the day our lives roll on in peace and contentment there are seven labourers constantly employed on the farm 
who are paid almost double wages to what others get but then i can venture to assert that if we are paid double we do as much work among us as fourteen ordinary labourers would do the mere husbandry servants have one hundred and fifty crowns a year the dairy women and other females engaged about the place sixty crowns and a tenth share of the produce of the farm is divided among us all you may suppose we do not idle away much time or fail to make hay while the sun shines for nature is a bountiful mother and ever returns a hundredfold to those who assiduously seek her favour the more we give her the more she returns your master cannot get very rich if he treats you and pays you thus liberally said the schoolmaster oh our master is different to all others and has a mode of repaying himself peculiarly his own from what you say answered the blind man hoping by engaging in conversation to escape from the gloominess of his own thoughts your master must be a very extraordinary person indeed he is my good man a most uncommon master to meet with now as chance has brought you among us and a strange though a lucky chance for you it has proved lying out of the high road as this village does it is so very seldom any stranger ever finds it out well i was going to say here you are and no fault to find with your quarters is there now in all human probability when you turn your back upon the place you will never return to it but you shall not depart without hearing from me a description of our master and all he has done for the farm upon condition that you promise to repeat it again wherever you go and to whomsoever you may meet with you will see i mean i beg your pardon you will then be able to understand i listen to you answered the schoolmaster proceed and i can promise you you will not be throwing away your time by listening replied the venerable chatelain now one day our master thought all at once here i am rich enough to eat two dinners a day if i liked but i don't now suppose i were to provide a meal for those who have none at all and enable such as can hardly procure half a dinner to enjoy as much good food as they desired would not that be better than overindulging myself so it shall be says he and away he goes to work and first thing he buys this farm which was not much of a concern then and scarcely kept a couple of ploughs at work and being born and bred on the place i ought to know something about it next master made considerable additions to the farm i'll tell you all about that by and by at the head of the farm he placed a most worthy and respectable female who had known a great deal of trouble in her past life master always chose out people for their goodness and their misfortunes and when he brought the person i am telling you of here he said to her in my hearing i wish this place to be like the temple of our great maker open to the deserving and the afflicted but closed against the wicked and hardened reprobate so idle beggars are always turned from the gate but those who are able and willing to work have always the opportunity set before them the charity of labour our master says is no humiliation to him who receives it but a favour and service conferred on the person whose labour is thus done 
and the rich man who does not act upon this principle but ill employs his wealth so said our master but he did more than talk he acted there was formerly a road from here to ecouen which cut off a good mile of distance but lord love you it was one great ruddy bog impossible to get up or down it it was the death of every horse and certain destruction to every vehicle that attempted to pass through it a little labour and a trifling amount of money from each farmer in the adjoining country would soon have repaired the road but they never could be brought to any unanimity on the subject and in proportion as one farmer would be anxious to contribute towards putting the road in order the others would invariably decline sending either men or money to assist so our master perceiving all this said the road shall be repaired but as those who can afford to contribute will not and as it is more for convenience and accommodation to the rich than necessity for the poor it shall first become useful to those who would work if they could get it to do who have heart and hands and courage but no employ well this road shall be reserved as a constant occupation for persons of this description horsemen and carriages belonging to the rich and affluent who care not how roads are repaired so that they can travel at their ease may go round by the farther side so for example whenever a strong sturdy fellow presented himself at the farm pleading hunger and want of work i'd say to him here my lad here is a basin of warm nourishing soup take it and welcome then if you wish to work here is a pickaxe and spade one of our people will show you the ecois road make every day twelve feet of it good by spreading and breaking the flints and every evening after your work is examined you shall receive at the rate of forty sous for the quantity named twenty sous for half as much ten sous for a quarter for less than that nothing at all then towards evening upon my return from labour i used to go on the road measure their work and examine whether it was well done and only to think interposed jean René, in a fit of virtuous indignation only think now of their coming two heartless vagabonds who drank their soup and walked off with the pickaxe and shovel it is enough to sicken one of doing good or trying to benefit one's fellow-creatures quite right master René, exclaimed the other labourers so it is come come lads resumed father chatelet don't be too warm just see here we might as well say it is useless to plant trees or sow grain because there are caterpillars weevils and other injurious insects that gnaw the leaves or devour the seeds put in the ground no no we destroy the vermin but god almighty who is no niggard causes fresh buds to birth forth and new ears of corn to sprout the damage is abundantly repaired and no trace remains of the mischievous insects which have passed over our work am i not right my friend said the old labourer addressing the schoolmaster no doubt no doubt replied the latter who had appeared for some time past lost in a train of serious meditation then as for women and children there is plenty of occupation for them also according to their age and strength added father chatelain yet spite of all this observed claudine joining in the conversation the road gets on but very slowly 
which only goes to prove my good girl that in this part of the country there is happily no scarcity of employment for the honest and industrious labourer but now as in the case of a poor helpless afflicted creature such as i am said the schoolmaster hastily would not the worthy owner of the farm grant me a humble corner in it for charity's sake a shelter and a morsel of bread for the little while i have to remain a burden to any one in this troublesome world oh my worthy sir could i but obtain such a boon i would pass the remainder of my days in praying for a blessing on my benefactor End of chapter seven part two read by celine major